Hello everyone, you're listening to Night's History Cast, where we have conversations about history. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Central Florida's History Department. In this episode of Night's History Cast, it's the final installment of essentially a little mini-series on the Operación Pedro Pan, Operation Peter Pan event that took place here at UCF on March 28th and March 29th. It was a two-day event, both live and virtual. And in this final episode of the mini-series, I was able to talk to Dr. Cecilia Rodriguez Milanes and Dr. Lisa Nalbon. Both of them were the coordinators, organizers, the brains of this event. And if it wasn't for their work and their contributions, an event like this wouldn't have been possible. So I also wanted to highlight their perspectives and their thoughts on, you know, some of the behind the scenes of what it took to get this event realized. This podcast is on the shorter end of some of the ones I've recorded for Night's History Cast, but that's totally okay because it's not about quantity, it's about quality, and the quality is definitely still very much alive in this episode. So, enough of me talking, enjoy the podcast, and cue that music. Hello everyone, this is Sebastian Garcia from Night's History Cast, and I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Cecilia Rodriguez Milanes, a professor of English with a focus on Latinx literature here at the University of Central Florida. This is, I always like to point this out, but this is uh, Dr. Rodriguez Milanes's second appearance on the podcast as she was featured in episode 21 of Night's History Cast during the FHS Symposium event in October. Um, I just like to point out reoccurring guests because I think that's pretty cool. I also have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Lisa Nalbon, a professor of Spanish at the Department of Modern Languages and Literature here at UCF. Dr. Nalbon is also the coordinator of the Latin American Studies BA program here at UCF. Both of these amazing women were the coordinators and organizers of the Operación Pedro Pan, Operation Peter Pan, two-day event that honored the cultural and historical legacy of Cuba's child exodus. Given that I was going to do multiple podcasts featuring some of the panelists present at the event, It was also important for me to highlight you both and your contributions and work to make this powerful and transformative event possible. So I'm really happy to have you both on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's go backward to the very beginning. I want to know when and how the idea of organizing an event like this crossed your minds. And when it did, were there some elements that you both knew right away you wanted to include in this event? I think we we have to go back actually to the fall uh, or actually in the spring, um, Lisa, as the director of the program, newly renamed Latin American, Caribbean and Latinx studies was thinking, how do, how do we do programming that can recruit and that can reach out to the community? And she discovered these grants. You want to tell them about those grants? Yeah, so the grants are supported by the Florida Humanities, and it's called the Greater Good in Academia. And the grant for the fall was created in order to commemorate the five-year anniversary of Hurricane Maria. So it was remembering Puerto Rican arts and culture five years after Maria. And so we really, I think, had a good amount of success with that event. And so as we were thinking about future programming, then Cecilia had the idea of putting together this program for Operación Pedro Pan, and it really needed to be a two-day event because the um, the cultural, historical, social impact is really so large. 
Yeah, and I think that even when we were writing the first grant, we said, you know what, we're going to do one for the spring too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we'll do one in the fall uh, during Hispanic Heritage Month, and in the spring we'll do something. And I thought maybe it could be tied into Women's History Month, but I had already seen the book by graphic novelist Alexis Castellano called Isla to Island. And I thought, oh, I want to bring her. I want to f- see how we put a program around. And I knew that not too many people in Central Florida knew about Operation Pedro Pan. And I should also say that I think the most appropriate word is commemorating because we're not honoring, we're commemorating mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So you knew right away it was going to be a two-day event. You also knew that you wanted Alexis to be part of this event. So besides those two things, what other elements did you know you wanted to have? We, I, I knew people who actually survived mm-hmm. Pedro Pan. My husband's actually related on both maternal and paternal sides, cousins that came through in Pedro Pan. And so I thought, oh, wouldn't it be really interesting if we had people who went through it give their stories, you know, share their experiences. And so I started to call and ask and, you know, family will do it for you for free, right? right. <laughs> but I said, you know, I want to I want to pay for your travel and honorarium to get here. It's, you know, it's 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 a challenge, especially a lot of these people are in their 70s or almost 80s. Right. So, um, you know, that covered honorariums for the voices of uh, Pedro Pan survivors. But then I also knew we needed to have the historical, political, um, and cultural context for Operation Pedro Pan. And so I knew we had Dr. Luis Martinez Fernandez, who is a Caribbean Cuban studies specialist. I knew that we had uh, um, Dr. Elenia Colón Mendoza, who specializes in addition to Spanish art, Latinx art. And she was more than happy to talk about Pedro Pan artist, Ana Mendieta. And uh, then I said, well, yeah, Alexis needs to be on that panel. And then we found a woman, and I'm, I'm thinking Dr. Karina Cespedes introduced us to Maria de los Angeles Torres. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who actually wrote a book called The Lost Apple about Operation Pedro Pan. And so we reached out to her and she said, yeah, I will participate. Pinpointing the what you were saying about having the actual voices, that was like, that was my favorite part of yesterday's uh, day, the listening to the three um, ladies talk about their personal experiences and how Operación Pedro Pan really truly shaped their lives and they were molded by it. Because oftentimes, not only in in events that are hosted by several departments here at UCF, but also from from my perspective, learning history, oftentimes a human element gets lost, you know, and it's easy to it's easy to forget that behind the pages there were people that actually lived this history. So I give you both tremendous props and credits to for including those survivors because that was something that was really unique about this event. So my question is how how crucial was it to feature like were you like if we can't get them which you just said most of them were family so they do it for free which is super <laughs> nice um but it's like if they are not part of it was this like were you gonna scrap it or no no way if they said no i was gonna keep going down the family list <laughs> <laughs> and asking people plus well, there are people here in central florida that were better survivors right. our former dean uh dr jose fernandez was a better kid the former state senator and uh, Orange County Mayor Mel Martinez was a Pedro Pan. 
So, you know, I, I knew that we could we could find people because there were 14,400 of them. Right. So uh, sooner or later, somebody was going to say yes. And for the day two portion of the event, just talk to us a little bit about that experience now that it's officially over um, with Alexis. I know yesterday when I talked to her here in this same room, she was very nervous, but very excited to have especially that workshop element. It's another unique part of this event. Yeah, I thought that that would be a really good idea, particularly because a lot of students in my department, whether they are creative writing or they're creative writing majors or minors, I teach creative writing. And so I saw a lot of students that do graphic memoirs or graphic novels. And I thought that it would be great if she could do something for them. And then she wanted to make sure that it was available for the BFA theater students also, because she is a UCF alum. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was important. I also need to thank and, you know, put a shout out to Dr. Kevin Meehan and uh, my, my husband, Jorge Milanes, for their uh, wonderful music that they did for free, mm-hmm. both yesterday and today. Yesterday, we also had Dr. Barry Maurer, who played mandolin and violin, and my son pitched in with the bass, the upright bass, Victor Milanes. And so I think that was also super important to us to incorporate the music. Especially because it was music from the time period mm-hmm. as well, to make it even more meaningful and tie it all together. Yeah, I was going to get to the music part because that adds... Another layer of uniqueness to this event, the music. And, you know, as music, food is very important in the culture of, of the Cuban culture. So there was no food at the event. but <laughs> was, The was, grant did not supply okay. food. <laughs> right. I, will, I just wanted to ask if the if it ever crossed your minds of it didn't including cro- food. I mean, we, we, we couldn't do it. it. We couldn't write it in. It was not one of the things we were allowed to do. Mm. That sucks. <laughs> we would have had to pay out of pocket. Out of pocket, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I have a three-part question for you both now that the event is officially over. Number one, what were some things you wish could have happened? Number two, what were some things that surprised you? And number three, what were some of the things that made you happy with the outcome? Well, I'll say the thing that I wish for is that we could have had an even larger audience I was so thrilled to see that we were at standing room only for the room that we had in the student union. We had over 70 people there. And that really is a great testament to the value of this kind of programming. We had, I think, around 50 people in the Zoom yesterday. Mm -hmm. So to know that we reached over 100 people where the day before, maybe they knew the story, but maybe they didn't. Right. And so if people could say maybe a sentence or two about what is Pedro Pan, now today they could have a conversation about it. And it's really about articulating, giving a voice, making this something that people are aware of so that it's not forgotten. And I think that's what I would wish for. And I think that once we have the video that's available, we'll be posting that to YouTube and in the UCF STARS repository Mm -hmm. of the library, then it will be available for posterity. And so that would be another way to commemorate the voices. I wish the technology was better. I'm so sorry that we had audio problems for the folks that were on Zoom. You know, it was out of our control. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that was disappointing. I wish we had more people for the second panel and for today, but I am very, very pleased about the attendance on the first panel. And I think 
I think we both agree that was like a really important panel mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. for people to get that background, to be able to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. But uh, at least, you know, whoever stayed for the second panel and those who were on Zoom, hopefully they got to hear the stories, the right. personal stories. That's what surprised me too, to hear the actual lived experience of the people who went through Pan and how gut-wrenching it mm. must have been mm -hmm. to be separated from your family and not knowing what the next steps were and what was going to happen. But when you see these three women as representative examples, it was just mind-blowing. I agree. Mm -hmm. I so agree. powerful. And what were some things that made you happy with the outcome besides the attendance and were there other things that made you really happy? I think people were really engaged. Mm -hmm. I, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, were coming up to us and to the other panelists. And even the cousin that was in the panel, Norma Hearn, she's a, my husband's cousin. So we have, he has cousins that live in Orlando mm -hmm. and they came to the event and they didn't know lots of her story either. Wow. So that was really great. And again, um, my husband didn't even know how many of his cousins came over as Pedro Pong. He, he may have had a faint idea, but he's younger. So, you know, they're yeah. older and they, you know, they just didn't talk about it. Experiencing this week with you all, it's been very exhausting, but very <laughs> rewarding as well. Do you have any other plans in the future to do similar types of events like this yes we do <laughs> oh Not, no we we don't specifically in the immediate future right. we have some other projects that we'll be working on but we this really underscored for us we already knew it but it made it really more apparent that we need more programming like this at 100%. UCF. Mm -hmm. and so this is something that i think we'll both be committed to down the road we once we get through some things going on in the next semester the next year but we really are I, I'll speak for myself, but I think I probably <laughs> speak for you that are committed to bringing this type of programming. I love program. Yeah. I I do. I have been. I've been at UCF since 1999, and I was the faculty advisor for what was Hasa that later became Lasa, and I also am the faculty advisor for Lambda Theta Alpha, a Latina sorority, and I have always tried to sort of coordinate programming that involves student organizations with the department. So I was able to bring Juno Diaz to campus. I brought Judith Ortiz Kofer a couple times to campus. Jakira Diaz came to mm -hmm. campus. Uh, Janine Capacuset came uh, video because it was during Zoom. Um, but I, you know, what I told Lisa is like, I really, it's exhausting to go around begging for money from here yes. and from there and from here and from there to get these things together. And she said, no, we could apply for one of these grants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's it might be equal work. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. It's very well worth it. And I learned a lot. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, even mm -hmm. I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, yesterday I was like, wow, mm -hmm. I didn't know all that stuff. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, we'll still do programming, but not, well, that, not that's for great. a little while. That, <laughs> that's great to hear because, you know, you just said in the fall, you know, you did the Puerto Rican event and now you did the Cuban event. So like, you know, you keep expanding your reach within. Are you broader. are you fishing for a Colombian event, <laughs> maybe. Sebastian? Maybe or maybe not. <laughs> maybe or maybe not. Um, no, but in all seriousness, though, I, I think it's pretty 
at least from a student perspective, I, I really do appreciate these events because, you know, I've only been here at UCF for four years and I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you just said since you've been here since 99, you've had a long history of coordinating these events, which is really admirable. And so, but these two, the Puerto Rican and the Cuban, were they the first ones with a grant? I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I the, the Office of Diversity Initiatives used to have a tiny little grant. It was like $250. So you could call that a grant. Mm-hmm. But most of the time is begging different departments, different units. Can you give us? Can you give me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's a lot of work. Um, this, we basically write a proposal and say, this is what we want to do and why we want to do it. So give us $10,000. But then they say, okay, well, how much are you going to put in? And so our time, which was a lot of time, is considered cost share. Oh, Dr. Meehan and Jorge and Barry, that's cost share since they they couldn't get paid and we couldn't get paid. We get credit. It's part of our sort of academic service. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. yeah, we didn't get a a bonus or anything. No. Mm -mm. My final question to you both is, why do you think it was important for you both to take on the responsibility of creating an event, an event to highlight an often overlooked episode in the grand history between Cuba and the United States? I'd like to say that we're living in a time where we really need to be encouraged to let our voices be heard. And as you walk into this building, there's a big placard that talks about the First Amendment. Mm-hmm and the what it means. Mm-hmm. And so going back to the Constitution and our right and our ability to speak our truths. And so there's really a huge underlying reason for doing this, which is to allow people to tell their stories. And something that Maria de Los Angeles Torres said yesterday, I think that she was the one that said it, we're, in, we're living in a time of huge displacement all over the globe, families being divided. And I just also kept thinking about the unaccompanied minors that are being sent over the border. You know, families that are in such desperate situations that they think that the only thing that they could do to save their children is to send them on this horrific voyage to perhaps get to the border and cross and come to safety in the United States. So, you know, to think about the parents in Cuba that were like, okay, this situation is so bad that I'm going to toss my children onto a plane into the United States and hope that they'll be okay until I can be with them again. Mm-hmm. And then to think about, it just gives me chills yes. to think about the people, you know, who are sending their children from Honduras, from Guatemala, from, you know, all of these countries that have such strife. And then, you know, that's just this hemisphere. Right. Well, thank you to you both for taking the time out of your very busy day. <laughs> very busy week um, to talk with me a little bit about coordinating this event. I really wanted to have both of your perspectives on it, not just the panelists. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Sebastian. You also, thanks. That was the pod. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. I certainly enjoyed talking to both Dr. Cecilia Rodriguez Milanes and Dr. Lisa Nalbon. Both were so nice to me and, you know, carving out a little space of their time of, of this very busy week. That has um that is still not over, <laughs> but nonetheless they're still able to sit down and chat with me about the mechanics, the inner workings of making such a transformative event possible. And like I said in the recording, big shout out to them. I very much appreciate their work. I appreciate everyone that was involved with this event, not just them two, but 
all the panelists for panel one from panel two, um, the band that played awesome music, big shout out to them. Also a shout out to the grant Florida humanities for, you know, supplying the funds for making this even possible. I mean, a huge shout out to everyone that was involved with this event. I truly appreciated it. And I know everyone that attended, which like they mentioned in this, in the conversation, it was a great turnout, at least in day one. There was still some turnout in day two. Nonetheless, huge shout out to everyone that was involved with making this event possible. Like we kind of talked about a little bit in the recording. Events like these, at least in this university, don't happen too often. And it's a shame because these are important histories. These are important stories that should be told and that should be highlighted to not just the people that already know it, but to the public that doesn't know it. So I hope this isn't the last time that they're on this podcast, not in the very close future, but at some point down the line, they will continue to coordinate events like this. And I'm very much excited for it. So hopefully this is not their last time on Knights History Cast. Please subscribe to this feed of Knights History Cast wherever you get your podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm Sebastian Garcia. Thank you so much for listening to this little mini series. I guess it's, it's, I mean, I don't know if it's the first one because technically I've done, you know, I've, I have done part, several parts of episodes like the FHS symposium, but part three kind of feels like a mini series for me. Part two is more like a, Oh, just, you know, part one and part two. I'm rambling. <laughs> Thank you all so much for uh, listening to this episode of night's history cast. I very much appreciate it. And I'll see you all on the next one. Thank you everybody. Bye.